You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 113. In this episode of the podcast, you'll be meeting Joshua Hood, the best-selling author of the Search and Destroy Black Ops thriller series and the Robert Ludlum's Treadstone novels. The uh, Treadstone Resurrection is out now, and the Treadstone Exile will be published in February of 2021. I really enjoyed reading the uh, Treadstone Resurrection, so I went and uh, sought uh, Josh out, uh, asked him to be on the podcast. So I was excited uh, when he agreed to uh, be a guest. Uh, so we'll get to the interview here in a moment. Uh, just a quick reminder, please go check out my website at thrillerauthors.com. You'll find the show notes there, uh, resource links, as well as a video version of this interview, as well as access uh, to all the other interviews uh, that I've conducted over the years, over 100 interviews and counting so far. And as always, please uh, rate and review this podcast. Subscribe to it if you haven't subscribed to it yet, uh, wherever it is that you are listening to this uh, podcast, wherever you consume your podcast. Uh, please uh, rate and review it. It's the uh, best way to help me uh, get the word out about this podcast and help me with the uh, visibility of it. So I appreciate that. All right. Uh, here's my interview with uh, Joshua Hood. Um, hi, everybody. This is uh, Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And on today's podcast, I have uh, Joshua Hood as my guest. Uh, so Josh uh, has a, a great background. He's uh, in the Army with 82nd Airborne, uh, serving in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, after the military. He was in uh, law enforcement, uh, in the SWAT team in Memphis, Tennessee, and now he's uh, writing uh, full-time uh, thrillers, Search and Destroy, the Black Ops thriller series, as well as the Robert Ludlum's The Treston Resurrection books. I'm uh, excited to talk to Josh. Good morning, Josh. How are you this, today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And like I said in the intro, you were a, you have a many years as a soldier and in law enforcement. Now you're writing. How was that transition like? And what 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 led you to sitting down and trying to write your your own book? I'd always wanted to be a writer. Uh, I mean, as far back as I can remember, and um, it was one of those things where it wasn't really considered a real job. So I went to college and. You know, it's like saying, want to be an astronaut or something. Um, my mom would say, well, you're going to have to find some way to pay the bills. So I went to college, I majored in English, got out of college, enlisted in the military. And then somewhere along the lines, you know, I just kept thinking about now I have something to write about. And um, that's how the first book started, just getting out of the military. I joined the, the sheriff's department and I felt that, you know, from Iraq, Afghanistan, I had something to write about. So that's how it got started. Uh, so the painful journey began. And did your, when you were writing and you, when you were still uh, working in law enforcement, did uh, your fellow officers, did, uh, did they know that you were uh, writing and, and, and or did you keep it kind of a secret? <laughs> no, they knew. Uh, we were a really tight team. And so everybody, you know, I spent probably more time with them than I did with my family for the eight or nine years I was on the SWAT team. And um, so they used to give me, you know, the little jokes like, who do you think you are? Like Bill Shakespeare and those types of things. But uh, they were very supportive. And uh, it was one of those things is once I told them that, you know, I was kind of doing that failure really wasn't an option because uh, in those types of communities, we tend to eat our young. So I didn't want to be like, you know, 
oh, I'll write a book and then just quit. So I just, you know, kept going at it and eventually was able to get one published. Yeah, I was reading, I was checking out your website, the, um, uh, in your blog, uh, Under the Hood. I love the the, the posts you have there for, for writers. I highly recommend to uh, check that out. And uh, you went through uh, over 80 rejections. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, about how that all played out? And- well, when I came into writing, I, I didn't know anything. So, uh, you know, uh, we did, I did a lot of uh, the research uh, online. Back then they had, and I'm sure they still do, it's... Uh, it's like a phone book that has all the agents oh, in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but you just kind of go through there. At the beginning, it says you got to write a query letter. I didn't know what that was. So you learn that. And then you find out that you have to have an agent uh, before you can get published. And so uh, you start sending out all these query letters. And I think I'd made a list of all the agents in the genre and basically started submitting and, went through the list and it was all rejections and I just started back over from the top. And, uh, you know, it was the 82nd time I actually got signed by an agent. And I think by the end of the week we'd sold clear by fire and, uh, they'd asked for another one. It was just, you know, perseverance. I think in my personal case, just refusing to, um, give up, but also it was a great learning experience because you learn, having to come up that way, I kind of learned, I had to learn everything myself. So it was kind of like, I didn't have anybody that said, Hey, call this guy. He can help you out. So I learned a lot about the business and what I needed to do better as a writer, what, you know, editors and agents were looking for in submissions and in books. Well, so yeah, 82 rejections and you're in the 82nd airport. That's kind of, did I, I know, not that's a number. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, did you have the books already written or? Well, I had the first book written and then you kind of go through the editing process with the editor who buys it. And then, you know, you, there's a saying that you have however long you spent years to write your first book and then you have like eight months to write the next. And so (laughs) that was kind of a shock. Um, And then, you know, especially with Ludlam, it's, it's one of those things that it didn't sink in right away. Um, it didn't even sink in when my first book was at a bookstore. I was like, Oh my God, that's me. And then um, the journey has just kind of gotten better from there. And so for our listeners who might not be familiar with your work, uh, can you describe um, what, what they can expect reading one of your books? I think the best way I can sum it up is what I have on the website. I try and write a book that's, uh, you know, all killer, no filler. I like to read fast paced books that, um, or action dominated and, you know, very kinetic books. Uh, I try to make them as visual as possible thinking to myself when I'm writing, I try to picture it like I would see a movie, I guess. So my books, uh, I try to make them as visual and as visceral as possible and, you know, hook the reader's attention with as much action and intrigue as possible. Yeah, I really love that about uh, about your books and the new, newer books coming out now. And <clears throat> not to sound blasphemous, because I love Tom Clancy and Robert Ludlum and those guys, but but like the work that you're doing and um, you know Mark Cameron and Mark Greeny. I mean, there's so much more action and things move a lot faster. Um, as a reader, I enjoy those a lot. Whereas you know the older books sometimes you know got really deep into the technical stuff. <laughs> it got a little slow at times. Well, Mark Greeny is a 
good friend of mine, he lives in the same in Memphis here and he's always been a mentor, a great sounding board, a phenomenal author, just phenomenal skill set. Mark Cameron's another one. And that's one of the great things about the thriller community is um, every author, no matter if they're just starting out or if they've been in the game for a while, they, they go out of their way to help you out. And, you know, um, Mark's, especially he wrote Clancy while he was writing the gray man novels and they're two totally different books. You know, you have the court gentry, all the gray man, which is faster, like you said. Um, but he also did write the slower, longer books. And so I think personally, in my opinion, you know, there's so many options and books out there. And I think that people, I mean, especially now with Corona, et cetera, it's so time, your personal time is so limited. And so I try to be cognizant of that and, you know, write a book that you could read on a plane and it's not like Elmore Leonard says, you know, just don't write the part that people skip. Yeah. That's like, I love that line from him. Yeah. <laughs> and so how did search and destroy uh, come, come to being then? Um, was that the first one? That was your first uh, book was in that series, right? Right. Clear by fire. And then the next one was warning order. And then um, I did a little ghost writing in between there. And then uh, the treadstone opportunity came up. Um, uh, actually Mark Graney and Mark Cameron's editor um, and now my editor, Tom Colgan over at Penguin is kind of the master of these uh, estate books. Mm -hmm. And he, is just he I don't know I thought he's picked such great authors before that I thought it was kind of a it was a joke when he was picking me for this Ludlum thing I was like you sure you feeling all right Tom <laughs> and uh but you know he getting picked for that by him gave me a lot of uh, confidence because I know you know he is uh he's been doing this for so long he's edited so many great books he uh behind so many great authors you know he has a dis discerning palette when it comes to this and you know to be even considered for a love them book but also to be considered by um you know tom was just it really gave me the confidence to step out and say well if he thinks i can do it you know uh, let's give it a try but um then stepping into the love them world was a whole different you know ball of wax that came with its own pressure after the initial high kind of because uh, I've always been a fan of Robert Ludlow has always been a fan of Bourne. I feel that, you know, Jason Bourne is, you know, America's James Bond. And so you, uh, I always felt it didn't sink in right away. But once I started writing, it was kind of like I was borrowing Mr. Ludlum's Bentley and uh, I didn't want to be the one who wrecked it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just felt that, you know, he put such a legacy together and yeah. even coming in and being able to write about Treadstone and everything else, it felt like, you know, like I said, like I'm borrowing like this super expensive car that he's, you know, and like, hey, you don't want to be the guy who brings it back with a huge scratch or a dent in it and be like, ah, sorry about that one. And like, you know, all those born books are really great, except for that Treadstone, yeesh. And uh, so... But it was a great, it is a great opportunity and one of the, I've never had so much fun writing a book before. 
Yeah, I was always curious about that, how that, how that all came into being. And uh, I also interviewed Mark Cameron, and he had mentioned the same thing, that they kind of, they, you don't, you don't, it's not a job that you can seek yourself. They come to you. So that's, like you said, that must have been a huge uh, honor. <laughs> well, it was. And um, like I said, I thought it was kind of a joke at first. <laughs> and uh, I was like, he had the right number? And um, it is one of those things that just, like, comes out of the blue and, I never in a million years um, would have thought about, you know, ever being in this position. I guess probably if I thought more of it, you know, you might have been uh, one of those things where you kind of like, ah, maybe I shouldn't jump off this cliff. It's really high. <laughs> but in the moment, it just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, this is, you know, what every author lives for. And you step into it. And uh, it's only kind of later that you realize, like I said, um, what a, that you're becoming part of this legacy. And um, it was a humbling experience, but I don't know. I think that maybe I mean, it's still surreal, you know, the way it happens. I'm sure you've talked to Mark about it, Mark Graney as well, and some other people. It's It, it just comes out of nowhere. You're just like, you're not expecting it. And uh, I was lucky in that with Treadstone, I kind of had a blank slate. Because uh, there was nothing that had been written about it or Treadstone, besides a little bit on Born in the movies, and so um, having that creative freedom was really, really awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. I was, I was wondering about that. Like, if they like, you know, like if you had to come up with the uh, the story yourself, or they like provided like the an outline. So that's that's interesting. So it's kind of like a blank slate. Cool. Right, and. Uh, the original, the character and kind of the plot of the first book just came up over a conversation, a 30 minute conversation on the phone. And um, luckily I had recently read uh, the first born. And, you know, for me, I was thinking that most people now would probably consider the Jason Bourne of the movies as opposed to the books. And so that's, the avenue that I took was, you know, what about uh, how do you make a character that can stand in the same limelight as Jason Bourne? And so uh, what was so brilliant about Mr. Ludlum was that, uh, you know, he, he made this assassin who did bad things, but he can't remember. So you're rooting for him. And so that was the hardest challenge at the very beginning was how do you make uh, an assassin who's paid to kill people likable? So that was the original challenge. Like, well, how would you even tell that story? Yeah, well, he did a great job because I, I, I really enjoy the Trust and Resurrection. That's why when, after I finished reading it, I'm like, oh, I got to see if I can get this uh, this guy on my podcast. So it was, it was, it was highly recommended to the listeners to go get your get that book, get your other books. Well, um, thank so, you. I just uh, turned in the second one uh, not too long ago. So that should be coming out, I think, February 2nd of next year. And um uh, you know, it's always an honor just to come and talk about being a writer or, you know, the process, et cetera, because uh, when I was starting out, there wasn't a lot of that out there. You, you just kind of go blindly into it. And um, to think about where I started and to be here now talking to you about writing a Robert Ludlum <laughs> book is still just kind of surreal. Yeah. yeah. And then next one, that's the, uh, uh, is it uh, the Trustone uh, Exile is the one that's coming up in February. Cool. Can, mm -hmm. you, yep. can you give us a little uh, hint about the uh, plot line on that one? Well, it picks up after, um, if you've uh, read the first one, you don't have to read the first one to understand 
the second one. It's it stands on its own, but it, it, it begins to unpack Adam Hayes a little bit more. And this is a guy that was an assassin, and he he left Treadstone when he got married and had a child. And so um, when I was writing the book, I had just had our first child, and so it made me think about a lot of things that I hadn't thought about before as a writer. And um, you know, I left the SWAT team after he was born because I, you know, my, my wife and now my son were counting on me. And so I didn't want to take a bullet going through a door or anything like that. And so that was on my mind in creating this character. How do you make a, an assassin likable, but also very human because it's, if they've seen the movies or read the books, we know that, you know, Jason Bourne's like this superhuman guy that can memorize something by just looking at it. And, um, and so that's what I did with the second Treadstone is uh, he goes to Africa and he's trying to make up for some of the, he's been put in an exile. He's trying to make up for some of these things he's done in his life. And uh, he gets pulled back into another caper where he finds himself caught in the crossfire again. And are you still uh, continuing with your other series with Mason Kane and the, the Search and Destroy? Uh, no, I've, I've gotten a lot of, um, emails about what, you know, are you writing the next one? What's going to happen? I'd like to do that one day. Um, I'm actually working on a, uh, kind of a, a crime, a crime book right now, like a cop book. Cause I was, uh, you know, with the police department for nine years and I've always wanted to try my hand at that. So try a little change of genre while, before starting the next Treadstone. Oh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool, especially with your background. And that's, um, I think that's something that's so fascinating with your with I mean, your background. I mean, you experienced that you've you know you've been in in combat uh, compared to you know a lot of authors would need to make this stuff up, but uh, you were actually there. Um, is that something uh, when you're writing your books? I mean, does uh, for someone like you does that help help you like working through that, or is it like reliving that again? How does that uh, feel for you when you're writing about those combat scenes because they're very realistic? Well, with uh, the first one, uh, Clear by Fire is very cathartic. And that's, um, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD once I got out of the Army. And I've tried to keep that as a theme within my books. Um, even in Treadstone, you know, he's dealing with post-traumatic stress. And so writing Clear by Fire was very cathartic because I was able to take some of the situations that I had been in and, you know, look you're, you're writing a narrative, but you're also throwing in your own experiences and it's after the fact. So you're able to, you know, kind of go a little deeper. What happened there? Why, you know, why were we at war? Those types of things. And so um, it doesn't bother me now, uh, but I have a bunch of friends that I send my books to that I was in the military, including my brother. He was in the military and, uh, you know, they, they'll tell me like, huh, I can't read your books at night because, you know, I start to get that sweat and start to feel it, you know, the guys that were in combat. And so it tells me that I'm hitting, you know, the right points, like make it as realistic as possible when these combat vets are like, yeah, I started to kind of sweat there at the end, I had to put it down and go outside. Yeah, that's yeah, that's something that was that I found very vivid with these uh, with your books. It's like you can, you can kind of tell that it's coming from, you know, not from not from a writer who's uh, doing Google research or interviewing people. That someone who was actually there, so it makes it kind of uh, yeah, puts it at a whole different level, in my opinion. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, hearing that from guys like you and other people who are serious readers and uh, you know 
talk to a lot of authors, you know, you saying that means a lot because it means that I'm on the right track, at least with this thing. Mm, yeah. And um, so were you, before you started to, to your writing career, were you a fan of, uh, of reading thrillers? I was, I've always been an, an avid reader. Um, and I'm trying to think the first thriller, you know, I kind of grew up, I, did, I turned 40 last year. So I'm, this will be 41 soon, but I started off with, you know, the Clancy's, the Dale Browns, uh, Jack Higgins, um, Clive Cussler, uh, the classics. And then um, with Vince Flynn, you kind of started to see this change from the cold war era to the war on terror. And then you get Brad Thor, Brad Taylor, um, Mark Graney, who were writing these awesome thrillers about the war on terror while I was over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so um, I was able to come back and, uh, I tried to, you know, where do I fit into this uh, as a veteran, etc. And, but I've always tried to. When I was growing up, my dad, he was an artist, a painter, and he would say, "Okay, you can read these thriller books." He gave me kind of carte blanche to read what I wanted to, uh, which I don't know if that was good or a bad thing, but he would always balance it by making me read like, "Okay, now you got to go read the Iliad, or now you have to read." remember one summer he'd always give me a reading list over the summer and one summer he let me read i can't remember what the it was like a mickey spillane book but then i had to go read the first volume of like uh churchill's life you know like he wrote this three vault like and so i'm like this thing's the size of a phone book and i'm going through it but i really wanted to read i think the next book that i was going to read was the cardinal and the Kremlin. so i'm just like going through this book my god i just want to hurry up and so he quizzed me afterwards to make sure that I'd actually read the book. And uh, that was, uh, you know, it gives you different sides of the coin, but um, it was kind of getting onto that next thriller book that got me through some of the drier subjects. Yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. Like I, my, my dad was the same way. He loved the big uh, historical biographies, autobiographies of, of political figures and, yeah, the first fiction book I, I started reading was his uh, James Michener books, which, you know, were like <laughs> this big. Yeah, Texas, I read that yeah. one. Um, my, uh, I used to go spend the uh, summers with my grandparents in California, and they just had um, this huge, you know, kind of like a library. And that was back when you had the Encyclopedia Britannicas or whatever. And every yeah. time I'd ask a question, my grandfather would be like, you know, what is this mean like what does echo mean he's like well go grab the e and i'm like oh my god so you had to go over there and grab the encyclopedia and look it up and then go back and tell him so uh, but you just start to see these books and there's nothing else to read you know there's no kids books so it's mm-hmm. like i remember uh, reading lonesome dove uh i think i was like 13 or whatever and it was over there and i was like what's this book about well i had read it so I, you know pull it off and it's kind of uh reading has always been this escape and uh, meeting these wonderful characters. And I think that if you start out reading early, it's almost, I feel it's almost natural that you want to try, you know, um, your hand at it. Yeah. And when, and what was, what is your writing process like then? Then when you start, um, do you like, you get the idea and you're getting ready to write it. Do you like outline everything or do you like write from the seat of your pants or what's your process like? Uh, unfortunately 
I am more of a pantser, but I'm trying to get into the outlining because I see it's it's a very critical skill. Um, because in my opinion, the book is made actually in the editing. Um, but as you know, when you're writing, I write by feel, and so I've always had a hard time. If you write out an outline, you know where the book's going. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to write this. This is boring. I already know what's going to happen. So uh, I try to le- I try to write a roadmap of like, this is where I want to go. And I've learned uh, through Ludlum that I need to be more detailed in some aspects. Because if you write, for me personally, writing by the seat of the pants, you know, and having ADD, it's like, oh, a squirrel. And then all of a sudden you're writing about something else for like 5,000 words. You're like, crap. So it has nothing to do like with what I was doing. And then, you, you know, you got to figure out how to fix it. So it's, uh, I look at writing as like, you're just solving one problem after the next You're You come up with an idea. You're like, I want this to happen. Uh, or I'm trying to say this and I can use the military or whatever, be a law enforcement as like the vehicle. And then, you know, you pull out of your driveway and you're driving and you're like, Oh crap. Uh, where do I go now? And so if you have a, a map, you know, your outline, you know, I need to take a left, but sometimes I'm like, I don't need this map. And then, you know, an hour later, I'm like, now where the hell am I? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so I turned your blog, you were saying that, you don't like when you're getting those rejections and you actually took like a lot of the advice and you have to do things like you said, Oh no, you know, 5,000 words out the window, you know, you have to be able to do that, not get to, I found that such a great advice for writers because sometimes you get so involved in your, in your work, but sometimes you have to just dump it. (laughs) Well, the two lessons that I learned early uh, and I've talked to, uh, you know, I get the opportunity to people reach out to me and, Hey, we read, you know, my book, we read my manuscript and, you know, I've been doing this almost 10 years now and I've had, I've been blessed to have such great mentors that I've gotten to learn, um, the inner workings of how this works. And, um, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, we had a mortar system, which is, you know, you drop the round down and it shoots it out. And we had this guy, this, he was my platoon sergeant, but he'd been doing it for like 10 years. And one day we'd use this computer and it'd give you, you know, the direction and the distance and you put that on the site and that's how you'd shoot it. Well, one time this computer is broken. It's not working. And so, the guy, his name was Sergeant Burnett, he actually used a compass to shoot the mortar while there's troops in contact. And it was just like, oh, my God, we're using a compass. And, um, you know, that's how they used to do it back in the day. But, like, after talking to him afterwards, I realized that he understood the process so deeply you know, not just every bit about it that he was able to use, you know, this compass. And so the more you learn about writing books and the more you write it, you begin to understand like there's only seven plots. There's only, you know, um, this is how you do this is how you do this. But I meet so many people who write books and great books, but that have no audience, you know, they're like, well, I just want to write about, clown zombies and you're like well i don't think anybody wants to you know that's scary as hell no one wants to read that book and they're like well i'm gonna do it anyway and then they complain when they don't you know no one wants to buy it and so 
you know, they say kill your darlings and people talk about what that means in a lot of different ways. But I think of, I'm making, you know, kind of a, I'm making a promise to a reader. Hey, you're going to put down your money and I'm going to write a book that you're going to enjoy and I'm not going to let you down. And that involves sometimes doing things that maybe I don't want to write particularly, you know, like, oh, I'd rather do this, but I know that no one wants to read about that. And so I think one of the biggest steps is, is you got to think about your reader, think about who's re- reading this book. And, you know, it's really not about you, even though it is your book, you want to entertain people. And, um, it's like writing a book where they're talking about taxes and COVID. Like nobody wants to read about that shit. And um, I think a lot of new writers have a hard time uh, letting go of their ideas when, you know, they kind of, some people even take it personally. And I know when I first started out and they're editing and they're like, ah, oh, this gotta go, you know, this whole paragraphs. And you're like, I took a week to write that paragraph. I really liked it. Um, it's not really mine anymore. You know, it's like, okay, um, that wasn't very good. It's not personal. It's making this book better. And, um, there's just, I tell people, you know, there's only so many times you can patch the tire. Sometimes, you know, it takes things that you love, but it's holding your book back and you just got to throw them away. And what is your writing process like uh, when you're uh, writing day? Uh, what's the writing? What does a writing day look for you? And uh, has it changed a lot because of the pandemic? Uh, not really. Um, I wake up, um, you know, about five thirty. Um, try to get a workout. That's changed because of COVID. You know, it's uh, you can't go to the gym really. So run it in your backyard or run it down the street or whatever. And then I get um, to the office. Um, and depending where I am, um, I've started spending a lot more time preparing for books. I used to just get right into it and be like, here's what I want to write about and start writing. But, uh, I've, I'm learning to spend more time at the front end to kind of save me tears at the back end. And then, um, I usually set a word count for the day, a goal, and then however long it takes, um, I'm lucky because I've always wanted to be a writer. I love doing this. So um, if I make my word count early, you know, I just kind of keep going usually. And because I love what I do and love that I've been blessed enough to have this opportunity. But, you know, then there's the days where it's a grind and it's just like, how the hell did I start out this? And I just spent eight hours and I have 2000 words less than when I started this morning, you know, and you're like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore, but you just kind of got to stick to it and, uh, you know, allow yourself, I, myself personally, I do a lot of, you know, self critiquing, self correcting, make sure that I'm, you know, not beating myself up too much. Like, ah, you know, we went back a little bit today and hopefully we won't go back tomorrow, but it's all for me working towards that state of flow where you're, in the zone, you know, and sometimes it takes a lot of work to get there. And uh, sometimes it's just as easy as sitting down and before you know it, you got 2000 words for the day. And you're like, Oh, that's pretty awesome. And I always like to ask my guests too, about the, the writing software that they, they use. Do you use word? Is that the, yeah, I use uh, word. I tried to use uh Scrivener. Is that yeah, how you say Scrivener, it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I try to use that. Um, 
but it just like it didn't work for me and the only thing if anybody listening here it works for microsoft like the only thing i don't like about word is i wish you could move when you go into the view where you have your chapters laid out wish you could move the chapters like you can on scrivener like that's yeah. the best thing about scrivener but they don't let you do that on word yeah, yeah, that that that, that would be a, that actually would be a great thing that they should uh, that that they, you think they could figure out how to do that if Screener could figure it out. <laughs> yeah, just um, a writer's edition of Word or something. <laughs> I wish they would do something because you know it's like every day I find something new about Word. I was like, holy shit, it does that. And then, yeah. But the one thing that I really wanted to do, yeah. I can't get it to do it. So <laughs> back to the old cut and paste, I guess. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, so Treadstone Resurrection that's out now, and then the uh, Treadstone Exile, yes, uh, the Treadstone Exile comes out in uh, looks like February of two thousand twenty-one, yeah. and um, and then your um, is uh, uh, I really want to recommend the the listeners if you're because I know they have a, a lot of aspiring writers that listen to this to go check out your website. That's probably the best place to find you, the JoshuaHoodBooks dot com. Right, and um we're working, you know, I got behind on books and so you can't post a lot. Um, I'm working on a, a little website to kind of add on to that called the writer's garage where, uh, so many people have helped me forward. Um, so much advice I've gotten from other writers. Uh, I'm trying to set up, give back to the writing community about, you know, this is what I've learned, uh, how to write, you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat, but uh, things that have worked for me, like how do you write an action scene? Um, how do I write an action scene, I guess? Uh, you know, I've learned recently that reading people's stuff, that you can kind of tell whether a book's going to be good or not so good within the first five pages. And, you know, that's something that hit me a couple of years back. And why is that? Why is the first line so important? Why? And, you know, there's common mistakes that you have to learn the hard way. Um, at least I did. And I'd like to, you know, be able to say, hey, if you don't do this, people like that. And that makes everybody happy. So that's something I'm working to put out uh, in the next couple of months. Oh, yeah. That'll be, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's so cool in the, the writing community, like you said before. I mean, even... I mean, even among quote unquote competitors, everyone helps each other and is, uh, it supports each other. I think it's, it's, that's such a, a cool feature of the, of the writing community. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, it's good for the genre. And we're all kind of in this together. And I hope, you know, fans of mine read Mark and Brad Taylor and, uh, you know, everybody else, like Brad Thor, Jack Carr. And it's just, you no, know, it's just hey, we all love books. We love writing books, and we hope that you guys love reading books. And it's just there's no real reason to be competitive because um, you know there's a lot of readers out there that leave reviews, not to read too many reviews. But I learned a lot by reading negative reviews. You know, like oh, I didn't even think about that. That was a great idea to do it that way. So um, when I do read reviews, it's kind of you know sick and twisted. But I only read the negative ones because. Sometimes they're just being assholes, but sometimes like they have good points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good, good way to learn. Yeah, yeah, you can you can pick up the the negative stuff. People are just complaining about whatever, but sometimes there are some good nuggets in the in the negative reviews. Yes, I yeah. believe so. I believe you always got to be learning, you know, to get 
better at what you're doing. Yeah. So before I let you go, any advice, any final advice that you could offer for aspiring writers who are listening? I would say for a new writer, for me at least, it's all about perseverance. You know, you look at all the percentages and you look at all the, you know, you go into these writers groups and they're like, you know, one out of every 10 people get published or you, you know, I got rejected this many times. Like, I don't know who's been rejected more than me, but, you know, if you look at a, you know, facts and figures on a long enough timeline, you know, one out of every 10 people, let's say that's not a direct, I'm just making that up, but yes, I know so many people who wanted to write a book and they've never started. So obviously, you know, those people aren't going to get published. And then people who write a book, and then don't finish it, they're not going to get published. And, and so I believe it's all about perseverance. You got to believe at the beginning, it's a lonely journal journey. You got to believe in yourself. You got to be motivating yourself. You, you know, critiquing yourself. But if you could get past where everybody else stops, you have a great chance of, you know, making your dream into a reality. And a lot of people, you know, everything I believe in my life, it is on the other side of, you know, the excuses. I can't do this. Uh, it's not good enough or whatever. Like, well, what if you can do it? And uh, that's one thing that I would tell myself over and over again as I was writing my, you know, first book is like, well, what if you can? And uh, so for me, the biggest thing is perseverance. And it's something that outworking everybody else is something that I was taught early on and it's carried over through my writing career. So that would, it's a very long answer to your question, but that's what I would say. Yeah. Well, it's a great answer. So thank you so much, uh, Josh, for your, uh, for your advice and talking about your books and your writing style. It's been a lot of fun uh, talking with you. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.